This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield's still out this week, but she'll rejoin the show next week. So today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. We're looking for your pet questions this morning. From dogs to cats and everything in between, the phone lines fill up quickly during our pet show, so don't hesitate to give us a call or email your question today. Also, if you've had a recent general wildlife experience that you'd like to share, we always love to hear those as well. So to join the conversation, just give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 or email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Doing fine. Thank you. Uh, we had an interesting discussion before we came on the air with uh, Kendra Wright, our coworker here, and she had asked you a question about um, starting a family. Do you want to have children first and then get a dog or get a dog first and then think about having a family? And it kind of led to a, a discussion of something that we've talked about on the air here before, and that is you kind of got to know what breed and, and do some research on so, sort of the general behavior and, and maybe size of different dogs to kind of figure out what might fit best with what your family is or what it's going to be. Exactly. And, you know, obviously uh, people in, in general have dogs before they have a baby. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily true. But it's good to have uh, some some degree of understanding about the temperament of the dog or cat even. And I find that most of the time that uh, – the dogs and or cat will literally uh, take on a mothering ability almost with babies, and they're generally pretty good. Uh, there may be some dogs that have that are psychotic, that have been damaged somewhere along the line uh, emotionally that could be a problem. But in general, most dogs do quite well with uh, adding a uh, – they probably view it as a uh, sibling <laughs> to, to their family, and uh, usually that's not an issue. All right, and then uh, our producer, Java, found a, a news item. Uh, Wisconsin man made international headlines this week after a dog lick led to a rare infection resulting in the amputation of part of his arms and legs. He was diagnosed with a blood infection from a bacteria found in dog and cat mouths. But experts say most people have an extremely small risk of contracting a similar infection, so it's certainly no reason to uh, try to send your pet to the uh, animal <laughs> shelter or try to get rid of him. And my thought, too, when I uh, heard about this, Java and I were, were chatting, and I wonder if maybe he had an open sore, a cut or something, right. you know, that maybe made this worse than it might have been. You know, I think that to a certain extent, uh, the uh, jury is still out as far as the causes a lot of times, but there is a bacteria that can certainly uh, cause some issues, and it's not a, necessarily a common inhabitant of the dog's mouth. Of course, the old thing of the dog licking, licking our wounds and helping them to heal may prompt some people to let their dog do that, but... Uh, I would I would guard against that because of several reasons, but let's just say that it's not a good thing. Uh, there have been other cases as well, and I'm afraid that some of these things where they may be not related, but if a dog has been licking somebody and they pass away or whatever, 
Uh, they may be uh, thinking, hey, this is what caused it. But this is very rare. I did read that report, and uh, I think there was another one or two that uh, were kind of linked to that. So it's something to watch out for. And, of course, good hygiene is always a, an issue. And, uh, and just because you and your dog kiss and this sort of thing, <laughs> uh, just just be careful if you have an open wound. Also, uh, should the, you ever, you know, accidentally a dog might nip you or your cat might uh, be a little bit aggressive in play and, and bite you, obviously you want to take, you know, proper precautions, wash the wound out well, and, and take general good care as you would any other sort of, of a similar kind of injury you would get. Exactly. And, of course, our cats carry probably more uh, common path, commonly pathogenic bacteria in their mouth and certainly with a cat tooth being very sharp Mm -hmm. and pointy it can go down to the periosteum of the bone and you can get a bone infection and pastorella is one of the more common there's a bacteria called pastorella and it certainly can cause a serious infection uh and we do see cat bites that uh have to be people have to be hospitalized for that yeah, I saw something online uh, the other day about uh, the worst bites uh, that you can get, and actually, I think cats was number two on the list. So, okay. all the more reason to treat them like the kings that they are, so that you never have to worry about him uh, trying to bite you. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so we will start things off this morning from Gulfport. Vicky has called in today. Good morning, Vicky. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, I had a question. We adopted a dog from the shelter a few months ago. He's five pounds. He's- the vet says a cross between a Cairn Terrier and a Yorkie. And we also have like a 90-pound yellow lab who's very easygoing. Well, the little dog is very aggressive toward the bigger dog. When we when we come home, he tries to jump on him and bite him. Sometimes he gets mouthfuls of hair from the lab, and the lab is just so good. I mean, he doesn't harm him. He just puts up with it. And if we try to pet the lab, he growls. Is there some way we can tone this down or teach him not to do this? Right. This sounds kind of like a, a, I should say, offensive defense. In other words, the little dog may feel intimidated. We don't know the whole history about the puppy, probably, or the little dog from prior to the time that you got it. Uh, I would maybe put a leash as much as possible on this little dog when you're there, uh, where you can uh, actually control a little bit better uh, and how long have you had this puppy? Uh, since about April. Okay, so it's been several months. Uh, maybe we need to talk to a behaviorist, somebody that has experience in training dogs. You said this, what do you call a Yorkie and a Karen Terrier? What kind of mix is that? I have to think about that. <laughs> Online we looked, it said Care. C-A-R-K-I-E, however you say that, Karki. Karki, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's neat. Uh, otherwise, the little puppy is good or the little dog is good. It doesn't uh, uh, try to nip at you or anything. Oh, no, he's yeah. wonderful with right. us. It's just other – he fence fights through the backyard with the other fence, the dogs next door, and he got a bloody nose one day from that. Too. Right, so. right. Disposition there, the little dogs is – I hate to even say this like this, but it's little 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 dog syndrome. I won't say little, <laughs> little man syndrome, but little, little dog syndrome, and they do quite often. There's one little dog, little uh, chihuahua at the clinic right now, that if I walk by the cage and even look at the little dog, he comes up there and starts growling. For some reason, does not like no. me. Uh, so I think it's more of a 
uh, fake offense. I mean, obviously, this little dog can't hurt your big dog or shouldn't be able to. And thank yeah. God you have a very patient uh, larger dog. Hopefully, over time, they'll get, get used to this and this will stop. I have seen dogs in the yards, especially when they get excited, uh, a pair of dogs that are perfectly fine. But if there's some excitement, one dog will jump on the other uh, simply because they have no way to uh, what control that emotion. So when you come home, I'm sure this little dog is excited, and uh, that may be the reason he jumps on the other dog because he wants all the attention. So mm-hmm. just keep working with it, and hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll tone it down some. I wish I had better information, but it does seem like something that, given time, he may, may get better. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, Vicki. We've got some open phone lines on Creature Comforts. It's an all-pet day today, so if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, please feel free to call in. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. I think maybe some of us might forget sometimes about how competitive if that's the proper word dogs might be if you have more than one so i guess it's a good idea uh, if you have a number of dogs to make sure that you you know give some attention and uh, to each one of them and, and and try not to neglect one over the other and treat them all with the same amount of, of love that right. that you would so that they they all feel good but je- jealousy can be a real issue uh even among dogs that have been together for years uh usually those uh things that set that off would either be food mm-hmm. uh, uh jealousy over that we see some dogs that would literally sit there and wait till the other dog is even though they have separate bowls wait till the other dog finishes rather than getting close maybe to the other dog while it's eating the other thing would be if you're petting one of the dogs for example uh the other dog may uh assume a role of saying hey this is not right and you better pay attention to me uh, cats have similar behavior. You can be petting a cat, and the other cat will come up and literally lay on top of the <laughs> other cat just just to prove the point that it can. But this this is all a little competition, and as you say, trying to give equal attention to to each one is is important. All right, uh, we need to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we will continue taking your pet questions. Also, uh, stay tuned because when we come back, we'll list the three most popular dog breeds according to the American Kennel Club. And if you can believe it, the top three have been the same for the last four years. But what are the top three? We'll find out after this break. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Since Levy Hartfield is out this week, and she will be back next week, by the way, we are having an all-pet day today, so we're looking for your pet questions. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can also send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we promised that we would share the three most popular dog breeds according to the American Kennel Club. And as I mentioned, the past four years, the top three have not changed. So number three is a Golden Retriever, number two a German Shepherd, and number one a Labrador Retriever. So uh, actually that's interesting, kind of three big dogs, but um, you know the people who have labs uh, I think really do love their dogs and they're, you know, you see um, pictures on uh, social media and that sort of thing that they really are, uh, seem to be like fun-loving dogs, like to run and play and, and that sort of thing. This probably is coming from uh, registration 
mm-hmm. uh, type thing. I'm not sure where that uh, those figures came from. Uh, Labrador Retriever is obviously number one for a lot of reasons. They make excellent pets. I've always said if you get one two to three years old after the first couple of years when they hadn't torn the house down or anything like that, <laughs> that probably you've got the perfect pet. Uh, same thing is true of German Shepherds and, and Golden Retrievers. There are a lot of popular smaller dogs, uh, but uh, I think that probably is being taken from the registration. We don't see as many German Shepherds, in my opinion, here as we used to uh, for some reason, but uh, they're still very popular and make excellent dogs. All of these big dogs, though, certainly need some training so they won't be, uh, what shall I say, an embarrassment to the owner. Uh, and I would say that it's perfectly great to have a well-trained dog. And we see all degrees of that coming into the clinic. We see dogs that are happy to come. We see dogs that are have to be pulled in, just about <laughs> or carried in. And uh, you can tell the ones that have been trained and are, uh, have some degree of, uh, what shall I say, ownership pride because, hey, this dog can sit, he can stay, mm-hmm. and uh, he can beg for treats, so forth and so on. Anyway, uh, also, uh, just to follow up what we were talking about earlier in the show, again, that's part of the research that you need to do. And again, if you're going to have one of these big dogs, they need areas to roam around in. So make sure that, you know, uh, that's another thing uh, to think about when you're trying to choose the, the best type of uh, dog for your for your family situation. Yes. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. We'll start again in Corinth. Crystal's on the line. Good morning, Crystal. You're up next. So go ahead. Hey, how are you? We're doing good. good What's morning. your question? Um, I have three cats. Um, two are new. We've had the other one for seven or eight years. Um, the two are the two younger ones are one year about one years old. And recently, we've had one of them peeing in our house, like in the bathroom or even going potty in the bathtub. Um, I figured out. I think it's the older cat. Um, it's kind of new that he's doing that. And I didn't know maybe what we can do to help him or right. what, why uh, he's doing it. I don't know. You're pretty sure I it prob- think, probably it is the older cat, you I, think? I really think it's yeah. him. I really do think it's him. And we, I keep the kitty litter box. I mean, I scoop it two or three times a day. Right. I keep it very clean. Okay. The experts will tell you, uh, again, okay, first of all, this is a stress to this older cat. He's been... Uh-huh. Uh, king of that house, your house, for a few years, probably. And these two younger cats uh, produce a stress, even if they're getting along all right or appear to be. Uh, yeah, I can tell he's changed a little. I would suggest this, and I, I'm going for what the experts say, and most people will not do it totally, but to have a litter box per cat uh, plus one. Now, that's that's a lot of litter boxes when you've got yeah. three cats. However, if you could pick out a place and have it where this cat appears to be going most, whether it's the bathroom or whatever, at least put one there for a while and see, and then maybe you can move it to a more desirable area. Yeah, okay. But I think at least adding a litter box, at least one litter box might help. Uh, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I will. Try try that and see. And it doesn't sound, you know, if you feel like this cat might have a UTI, uh, certainly get it to your vet and have it checked out. But first of all, I believe you're talking about behavioral differences or, or change because of stress. So try that and see. Let us know. 
Yeah, thank you so much. You're All right, take care. Crystal, Bye-bye. thanks for the call. Uh, you know, again, kind of hearkening back to our discussion at the earlier part of the show, um, I think that's one way a cat kind of shows displeasure uh, <laughs> is to uh, maybe inappropriately, you know, go outside of the litter box. So, oh, again, yeah, they, cats cats have a way of sometimes getting back. Uh, let's say you, you give the cat a bath or something like that <laughs> that it doesn't like, uh, trim its nails or whatever, and sometimes they'll retaliate by uh, maybe on your bed, uh, peeing or defecating, and that does happen, so... Uh, just keep that in mind. But this is a stress for this cat, and I, I can visualize exactly how that cat's thinking. So what 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 are these two new cats doing in my house? <laughs> well, that's interesting because I um, years ago when my other cat, uh, a very similar situation, I had bought a brand new futon, uh, and so I had my brother and sister in law were visiting, so they were in. I let them use my my bedroom, and you know we kind of got displaced, and my cat came into the room very almost like a show sat down in the middle of that futon and <laughs> peed on it and so that was her way of saying again you know who who is disrupting my household right that's good <laughs> uh let's move on to the next call we've got uh jane from sochet on the line good morning go ahead please hi sorry that's saucier i i can never remember help me again with the pronunciation sochet okay yeah. <laughs> sorry about that go well, ahead i have three i have three cats my oldest one is a female and she's about nine years old. And then I've got another female who is about seven years old. And then I've got a male, and he's just two years old. Okay. The female in the middle, the one in the middle, uh, she's very attached to me. Wherever I am, that's where she is. If I'm sitting down, she's next to me. She gets as close to me as she can. And she loves to sleep in the bed next to me, next to my head. Well, the little boy, the two-year-old boy, he wants all the attention. So what he does is when she comes to stay by me in the bed, he jumps on her and, and makes her run away. And then he gets in her spot. And then I'll, I'll fuss at him and shoo him off the bed. And they say, you're not supposed to fuss at cats, but I don't know what to do about him. Well, sometimes you have to express how you feel to the cat. I mean, I, I don't... I don't know that fussing certainly don't do any physical harm. Uh, yeah, I, but, I scream at him and yell at him to get off the bed, and he knows right. that I'm mad. Right. But he still does it anyway. I I would say this, and you might experiment with this. Uh, certainly if he does this, and I don't get your bed wet, but have a water bottle, spray bottle, and when yeah. he starts to uh, come toward her uh, to make her a move, you might give him a squirt. Uh-huh. A lot of cats don't like that, They they've yeah. said, and they get the message. And you don't have to scream. Yeah, that's a great idea. I don't know why I didn't even think of it you, myself. You, you don't have to scream or anything like that. Uh, I see the same thing with uh, we have two cats, and uh, they rotate. He wants he wants all the attention. Right. He just right. wants. Well, he's he young. Very jealous. Right, he's young, and just just work at training him like that and see if that helps. Uh, and I know if you shut him out of your bedroom, he'd probably rattle the door all night long trying to get in. <laughs> so. Let's see if that will help, okay? All right, uh, okay, Jane. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah. for your call. Yeah, so head him off at the pass. Before he gets a chance to come in there and jump on the other cat, uh, give him a good squirt. Maybe right. that will that, deter him. That does help a lot. And uh, I have a young cat uh, still. Gosh, he's still under a year. He weighs 14 pounds, so he's getting pretty hefty. 
Uh, it's not fat. He's just a big cat. We call him the Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> uh, he used to be Porch Kitty because somebody left him on the porch. But uh, he responds quite well to the water bottle uh, squirt. Uh, he would jump anywhere on the counter or whatever. And so we keep a water bottle handy for him, uh, which works well. Uh, the other one I've heard that's been kind of effective is maybe have um, a jar with maybe some coins or something in and, and to yeah, rattle. Because, right, right. again, that's uh, certainly a, a, a sharp sound like that will certainly get the cat's attention it as gets well. It gets his attention. And a lot of times once you start using the water bottle as a deterrent, you just have to show it to the cat. And, and he knows what's you coming. You don't have to spray. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I, I know cats, I, I guess some cats like water, but I know my cat likes to kind of play around in the tub. But then in the morning when I'm, uh, when I turn on the shower, it's interesting because you can see the water and it just, as it gets close enough, he knows and he, he scoots on out of there. So he know, he doesn't want to get wet in the least bit. Uh, we're going to Loosedale for our next caller and it's Jake. Good morning, Jake. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we rescued a puppy, uh, and she's well over eight weeks old now, but I'm um, just trying to figure out how old the little dog has to be before you start uh, training, pad training. Good suggestion. Uh, what kind of puppy is this? Uh, it's a, a blue healer, a terrier mix. That's going to be an interesting mix. be interesting to see how that, that puppy turns out. Uh, first of all, if you've got the puppy in the house. Uh, yeah restrict a certain area don't don't let uh don't let her have the, the puppy have the run of the house right. if you have carpet and starts to yeah. go uh urinate or defecate on the carpet a lot of times they think hey this is great and i'm gonna go back there very right. difficult to get odor uh out of the carpet even though there are certain things that will help my suggestion would be limit the area that this puppy's in is eight weeks, so it's still pretty small and can still be trained. The people so it, that it, it's over eight weeks, okay. but not too far. So okay. it's probably about two or three months old. Okay, the people that have the most success uh, with uh, housebreaking use a combination of things. But if you're going to try to get the puppy to go outside, I would suggest something called crate training, uh, using a kennel, uh, and let the puppy. Uh, Stay in there when you're not at home. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we do that. Right, we keep right. them in the crate when we're and at I would, home and, right. and at night. And as soon as you get up, uh, take the puppy outside. After it's eaten, take it outside. Uh, usually they get the message uh, with that. But to let the puppy out of the run of the house, that's usually a disaster because right. uh, they will uh, definitely think, hey, this is good dry carpet and I'm going to go there rather than going outside on the wet grass. So just work with that, but do limit the area that the puppy is in. All right. I've been using those training pads. Yes. Um, like, um, and I started out using an attractant, right. you know, which it works. And she's getting the picture, but she, uh, every now and then, you know, she won't use the pad. Right. If you're using but, the pads, I'd kind of stick with it, keep going. Usually they will learn. Uh, still confine the area, though. And, of course, a puppy being a puppy, a lot of times they will tear up tear up the pad and play with it rather than use it. But uh, good luck to you, and, and just keep going. It's a puppy this age, very difficult to say it's completely house-trained. Right, it's probably going to take a while. Yes. 
Good luck to you. You take care. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Jake, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day today, so we're looking for your pet questions. Uh, We're going to take another break. Uh, We earlier talked about the popular dog breeds, so when we come back, we'll list the top cat breeds. And also, we're continuing to take your pet questions. So give us a call this morning. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Back with more Creature Comforts after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Since Libby Hartfield is not with us this week, it is an all-pet day. We're looking for your pet questions. And the phone lines are open. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So earlier in the show, we talked about the three top um, dog breeds in the country, according to the American Kennel Club, and it was three Golden Retriever, two German Shepherd, and one Labrador Retriever. But before this last break, we asked you about uh, the most popular cat breeds. This according to PetMD.com. Number three is the exotic short hair. It's a short-haired version of a Persian, has a squash face and rounded ear. It looks more like a cuddly teddy bear than a cat. Number two, the Maine Coon. It's native to Maine, also the largest of the domestic cat breeds. It takes three to four years to reach full physical maturity. Very thick fur with a waterproof layer, large, wide paws that act like snowshoes for walking easily across the snow, and a long, thick tail used to wrap around its face during harsh weather. That's interesting. And number one, according to PetMD, is the Persian, renowned for its long, silky fur, expressive eyes, and squashed face. It's also one of the oldest cat breeds, calm and sweetly affectionate. The cat loves habit and serene environments. But if you get one, keep in mind they need regular baths and grooming uh, because they have that long fur. And it's amazing to me when you have and know someone that has one, when they get their, I guess, maybe semi-annual uh, haircut, it's, it's amazing. You, it's like, oh, wow, you can, you can actually see more of the cat and not just a bunch of fur. So uh, any thoughts on those top three cats? You know, those, again, go back to registrations. Uh, but, uh, you know, probably the top cat that we see is a domestic short hair, mm-hmm. uh, unknown lineage uh, as far as numbers. But, yes, Persians, exotic short hair. Uh, we don't see many Siamese now. Uh, we used to see more Siamese years ago, and they're one of the probably top four or five breeds but there's a lot of new breeds uh breeds that uh unless you've been to a cat show recently you may not uh, uh recognize them actually there's something on tv that goes across the different breeds of cats i was watching the other day and they would list the top 10 breeds but uh there there's some unusual cats out there there's everything from a california curl to a sphinx to a selkirk rex uh, Devon Rex, uh, they're all kinds of uh, what I call minority breeds. There are not many of them, but they're definitely a distinct breed. And I'm uh, I'm partial to tabbies because uh, those that's the kind of cat I've had and uh, like the coloration and the, and the stripes and all that sort of thing. It's interesting when I look at my cat, all the different colors of fur that he has, and I often – I'm somewhat uh, jealous that humans can't have that uh, striped <laughs> fur like that. <laughs> you know, that. That would look good if we could. We'll, have, ha- we'll have to work on that. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. Let's get an, uh, an email in here before we go back to the phone line. So, uh, Robert, Jim, if you could hold on for just a minute, we'll get to your questions in just a second. Uh, this one it comes to us from uh, John, just south of Hattiesburg, who says, A couple of days ago, we saw a box turtle laying eggs. She was there over three hours after we initially saw her. It's in an area of our yard that gets used a lot. We want to protect the eggs by making a ring of rocks around the nest. Is this a good idea, and would it help uh, keep uh, the chances of survival in, to uh, be increased? I would say yes, some sort of protection. Uh, that is an issue with uh, any of the, the turtle or tortoise eggs. Uh, certainly there are predators that would uh, seek those out and dig them up and eat them. Uh, the other thing would be, since it's in a yard, I would suggest maybe a little, uh, at least a small low fence, or, you know, something not too unattractive, mm-hmm. but something you could put around it that would be a little bit more than that brick wall. The other thing would be to observe, and you don't want the baby baby box turtles to get there and not be able to get out and get into the, their environment. But that's a good idea. The, the box turtles, we've mentioned this before, but box turtles, once they uh, survive juvenile uh, situation, they can live 50 years plus. And uh, I would say that they are definitely uh, interesting creatures and definitely worth protecting. All right. Uh, and as we were chatting about this uh, during one of the breaks, you did mention, again, to keep an eye on it so that if, uh, if, they, if the, the, the little turtles hatch, you want to make sure they can get where they need to go. But also uh, that you mentioned that it might, it might be a while. Yes, it is. And I, I'm not exactly sure about the exact uh, incubation period for the box, box turtle. But uh, I do know that they only generally have one clutch, if you will, one nest a year. So uh, this would be the only chance probably that that female had of uh, successfully uh, having laying eggs and actually uh, uh, having them hatch. All right. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, We'll start again in Madison. Jim's on the line. Good morning, Jim. You're up next, so go ahead. Uh, Good morning. Morning. I have a question about... um my little King Charles Spaniel. Um, I always had big dogs. It's the first little dogs I've ever had, and they are the sweetest, uh, most wonderful lap dogs that you can imagine. But um, So I got the female of Lenham, came from a kennel in the Gulf Coast, at the same time that I got a tricolor from uh, this prize-winning uh, kennel in Nebraska, and both weighed eight pounds. I got them a few weeks old. I got them at the same time. Then uh, ten years later, the male who was from the prize when kennel died of the heart disease that uh, these dogs tend to get, a mitral valve problem, I believe. Yes. And then, so we left with the small one. And during their life, they were just, uh, oh, you couldn't separate them. They would slept in the same bed and so forth. But the little one, uh, the big one was 32 pounds at 10 years. The little one, who weighed 8 pounds, was only 9 pounds 10 <laughs> years later. She was some type of uh, dwarf of some type. Minotary, yeah. But anyway, she has a couple of behavior things that I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Number one, while her partner was alive, she was very dominating, not in an aggressive, mean way, but she would back up and sit on him and sit there with her bottom on him and also put her paw on him like she would hold him down, like she was in control of him. Right. Well, after he died, she started doing that to us. Uh, <laughs> she'll climb up on the back of the couch and put a, a paw on your shoulder like she's holding you down, like I'm the boss of you. But the main thing uh, that I wanted to ask you about was she has this habit of licking not licking things, she licks in the air. And she bobs her head around, and she'll get right up next to your face and just sit there and lick out, lick the air. Uh, 
I don't have any. Is this an, an unusual behavior in dogs, or is this something you see? It's not unheard of. It is unusual, uh, this licking behavior like that. And I'm sure you've probably had her checked out. It wouldn't hurt to have a you know a good geriatric blood panel done just to see if there's any type of uh, abnormality or deficiency. At least she's not licking uh, concrete or that we have some dogs that develop a habit of licking uh, concrete, even the bedspread they'll lick incessantly. Uh, so I would say that probably she's okay. It is probably a abnormality that I don't know of any way that you're going to change that. Uh, other than the fact that, hey, I would since she's, she's what, 10 years old now? Yeah, and she's, you know, we kept up real well with all her vet visits right. and all. The other thing that I wondered had, had anything to do with it, she's got the worst doggy halitosis that I've ever found in a dog. Okay. And we, you know, had her teeth cleaned yeah. a couple of times, but uh, you think that's part of the deal? She still has the, still has the odor. Uh, yes, she does have terrible halitosis. Right. And dogs quite freely uh, pass gas forward. In other words, can actually come from their stomach, and that may be the odor that you're getting. Uh, I don't believe that would be the reason why she would be licking, though, or licking the air. Uh, well, it's not a, a terrible problem. Unless right. she gets right up in your face and she's trying to dominate you. But, uh, right. Well, anyway, I, I've, I've been binge, binge listening to all your podcasts. I really enjoy your show. Well, we appreciate you. And uh, I, if you haven't had any geriatric blood work done for her in the recent, say, year to two years, I would definitely go on and do that just to be sure there's no issue, okay? Great. Thanks very much. All You're right. welcome. Thanks, Jim, for the kind words as well. Uh, our next caller is Melinda in Past Christian. Melinda, it's your turn. Go ahead. Thank you. I'm calling about uh, a cat, which I don't have yet, but thinking about getting one, and the efficacy of scratching posts, and I know the horrible alternative is declawing. Um, just some thoughts on the matter. You know, there are things that you can do, and scratching posts is certainly a good thing. Unfortunately, sometimes they they choose to go for the leather uh, sofa or chair, but uh, obviously make scratching posts available. You can trim the claws regularly using nail clippers, uh, just keep the sharp points off, but that's the reason the cat scratches, because they are shedding those mm-hmm. claws, and they shed them quite frequently, uh, and they're pretty sharp once they get back out. Right. Uh, there is a product, and maybe different names, but called Soft Paws, mm-hmm. uh, that you can actually put on. Uh, you trim the claw back, put this little plastic claw on. They have designer colors, some sparkle, <laughs> some red, some blue. Uh-huh. And you can do that, and some of them are clear. But you can you can do that, and that can give you uh, relief, usually for about uh, three to four weeks. Uh-huh. They may start losing some of those, and you can always reapply. And it's something you could do yourself. Right. Uh, basically, they'll have a packet, and it'll have some glue, probably similar to super glue, uh, which is not going to hurt the cat uh, to apply those to the claws. Right. So those are alternatives. Uh, I like the rough, uh, maybe a few sections of... Uh, Carpet samples that are rough have the right, uh, right. that, and that helps as well. Right. So uh, certainly you can try that and see. Okay. 
Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And also, Melinda, I would say from my experience, my cat loves uh, scratching posts. Every time I get him one, he will scratch it until it is absolutely obliterated. <laughs> and to me, the, the simple ones, just the cardboard ones that you can get, uh, he really loves that. And like I said, he will sit there and scratch on that until there is just absolutely nothing left. So I'm a, a big proponent of that because, again, they need to do that. And uh, if he doesn't have that, he's definitely going to find uh, some other place to do that. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, uh, Dr. Major, he likes a denim. He he loves to scratch mm-hmm. on my blue jeans. So that I guess that's a nice uh, surface for him to go at. But uh, uh, the cardboard uh, scratching post would certainly help uh, deter that behavior. Um, we've got some open phone lines looking for your pet questions this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 When we get back, uh, BuzzFeed recently had a list of some lovable pets that are not cats or dogs. What are BuzzFeed suggestions? We'll get to that after this as we continue to look for your pet questions on this All Pet Day on Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Since Libby Hartfield is out this week, it has been an all-pet day today, and there's still time for you to work in a pet question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Before the break, I mentioned that BuzzFeed had a list of lovable pets that are not cats or dogs. So to give you a couple of their suggestions, uh, there's the ferret a pygmy goat, a tiny tortoise, a chinchilla, a rat, and I'm assuming they mean like a lab rat and not the rat that you might find in the sewers in New York City, Uh, the tree frog, a sugar glider, a corn snake, a rabbit, a bearded dragon, and a teacup pig. Uh, So a lot of those, Dr. Major, sound a little bit exotic. And um, um, I I know I've heard of sugar glider. Remind me again of of what a sugar glider is. (laughs) It is. I think of think of a flying squirrel. Okay, mm-hmm. that's about the size of those. They make excellent pets for some people. Others they don't. They're somewhat nocturnal. Uh, it seems like, and they got sharp little teeth. They can bite, but uh, we see several uh, at the clinic. Uh, they are, uh, you know, they can make a good a good pet. Some people say they have an odor, so. Check it out before you run out and get a sugar glider. <laughs> yeah, on this list, uh, we talked about you know making sure it's a fit on this list. When they're a little bit more out of the ordinary, you definitely want to do your research to make sure uh, that right. it's going to be a good fit. Uh, a chinchilla, I guess I only reason I recognize chinchilla is it used to be something used to make a fur coat, but is that an animal kind of like maybe a, a guinea pig? Chinchillas uh, actually um, make interesting pets. Uh, we don't see many. I've seen one or two over the years. Uh, of course, they used to be a fad that back in, gosh, longer than I'd like to think. You'd see uh, mom and pop operations that they would, they didn't have air conditioning in their house, but they had this little block house where they raised chinchillas, uh, keeping them cool. And certainly that was for the fur trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably was in the 50s and 60s, maybe maybe 50s. Uh, the thing about chinchillas, they're specialized. They're more, uh, uh, some people really love them. They like to take dust baths and pumice. Uh, so they, they require some special care, uh, very similar to other, uh, these specialty animals. Some of these like, um, the frog, tree frog, uh, those can be kind of 
iffy uh, unless you're really set up to handle it properly. Okay. And so, yeah, again, we said really do your research. And, if you I, and, I, go qu- and I question the fact of a teacup pig. I'll have to see that one uh, <laughs> and see the definition of what a teacup pig is. A lot of people do get taken um, miniature uh, potbelly pigs. They find out later that it really wasn't. And you've got a pig that weighs 100 pounds plus, so those can be an issue. <laughs> that's a very large teacup, that's right. for sure. Well, I, there may be a teacup pig. I haven't seen one. All right. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. We start again in Sardis. Carolyn has called in today. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes. Uh, my question is, I have a we have a cat that she was wild when she took her residence with us about a year ago. She has uh, had kittens, and I would like to know when is the best time to have her spayed so she won't reproduce again. And the kittens are about uh, 10 to 12 weeks old, and how old do they have to be before they need to be spayed? Very good question. And has she weaned these kittens, or do they still nurse her? They're, they're nursing, and they're also eating because I feed right. them. Right. If they're 10 weeks old... You need to go ahead and start maybe separating her from them if you can. Okay. If you can't, uh, but she probably has pretty large mammary glands right now. If they're okay. still nursing, a lot yeah. of times it's better for those to kind of subside or go down before having her spayed. Is she inside all the time now? No, she's okay. outside cat. Right. The, one of the possibilities, if you wait too long, she may come back in season and they'd be pregnant again. So. I would say as soon as possible, go on and get her in and have her spayed. Okay. The kittens, uh, if you're going to have them fixed, uh, the males, uh, usually you could take care of them a little bit sooner. But definitely by the time, somewhere between four to six months old. For the kittens? Uh, Yes, ma'am. The size has a lot to do with it. You really are reluctant to spay something that's under, say, three pounds or two pounds even. So okay. I would suspect by the time they're uh, four or five months old, they should be fine. There are okay. people or are clinics that will spay them younger than like that, like 12, 14 weeks. I disagree with that philosophy uh, simply because they don't have time to mature into okay. their normal uh, hormonal system uh, okay. if you spay that early. So, uh, until they're about at least three months or more. I'd say push it more on back toward four to six, Okay. Four to six. Okay. Yes, Thank you. You're All right. welcome. Thanks for your question. Let's move on. Next, we've got um, Larry and Walls. Larry, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you? We're doing good. I have a uh, Jack Russell, and she's about 11 years old now, and she constantly sheds, 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 and I've got one of them rake combs, and I can brush her back with it every day and just fill up two, three of them combs. Uh, what can I do to get her to quit shedding? I give her a little bit of yogurt every morning. You know, hopefully that'll help a little bit with her coat and her skin. Right. You got any advice on that? Let me ask you a question: Is she replacing the hair? Is she had bald spots, or is she uh, have pretty much still have hair over most same, of her body? Same amount of hair. You really, you really can't tell it uh, okay. that she's losing that hair. But the house is just full of it when you vacuum. You'll get a whole container of hair every time you vacuum. Right. right. This is a common complaint, and one of the problems is that dogs do shed seasonally, but they, some of the dogs, like yours, sheds year-round. If she's right. healthy and she has a normal hair coat, 
Uh, there's not a lot you can do. There are products on the market called low shed, no shed, and whatever. But if you read them, they talk about bathing the dog in it and then combing and brushing. So you're doing yeah. the best you can by combing. I like right. the Furminator. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have that or not, but there's something called a Furminator that can really get most of that loose hair. But I would right. say that I don't have a good suggestion to stop her from shedding. It sounds okay. like she's healthy. Okay. Yeah, she is very healthy. Yeah. So, you know, we bathe her uh, and all. Then I have one other issue with this yes. dog. Uh, if you wear a pair of socks during the day and you take them off at nighttime and you lay a sock down anywhere, she'll take it outside and bury it. But if you <laughs> do the laundry and they are clean, she will not touch a sock. I don't care where you put it. That's called what, a very feel all about? <laughs> very fastidious dog. I'd, I'd say that she's trying to help you out. I guess yeah, the best thing you can do is bury him in the backyard. You, we'll be in the backyard, and you just run across socks in the garden. So there you go. Wow. She's, that's some dog. It sounds like she's a right. great dog. She you is. take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank, Thank you for your advice. Thanks for the call, Larry. Uh, let's move on next to uh, Rebecca from Ocean Springs. Good morning, Rebecca. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, sorry it's storming here right now, but um, I have an 11-year-old chihuahua who has been diagnosed with metastatic carcinoma. I took him to Los Angeles, and he's living with a friend there having uh, chemotherapy done. Yes. Um, she has suggested that they put him on a mixture of THC and CBD oil. Yes. Uh, because it's been shown to decrease the size of the tumors. It's metastasized into his lungs, but no further than that. Um, the, the oncologist there said the jury's still out on that. I was wanting to get your take on it. I think the jury is still out at this stage, though, with the dog and the condition he's in. How symptomatic is he? How what what is he doing? Is he having difficult? Um, well, he, it it started in his lymph nodes, right. uh, as best we can tell. Right. I didn't elect to have surgery to find out exactly yes. where the cancer began, but uh, he had a large node in his neck. I took him to the vet. They biopsied it, and that's where they found yes. it. They biopsied the liver, the spleen, and ultimately, it only seems to be the lymph nodes in his neck and into his lungs. Yes. And I know that. You know, the prognosis is very poor. He did have a cough, but since he started the uh, chemo, uh, the cough has subsided and the lymph nodes decreased. I have no problems with uh, suggesting that you could use those compounds uh, simply because they may give him some relief. I don't know that it's a cure-all, but certainly, uh, as best I can tell from reading, that that would be okay. And I don't think it would hurt him, okay? All right. Well, uh, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, uh, Rebecca, thanks for your call. Uh, we don't have enough time to get to our last call because we are just right out about a time. So uh, appreciate everyone who called in. Hope they uh, got uh, the pet questions answered. And uh, if you would like your question answered and didn't get on the air, you can always send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org, and we might be able to hand it on a future show. That is going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by generous contributions from listeners like you. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash 
Creature Comforts or download the MPB Public Radio app so that you can listen to MPB Think Radio on your schedule or subscribe to our podcast. Our show is produced by Java Chapman and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell inviting you to stay tuned because up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.